Hey, what's going on everyone? Hope everyone's doing well. So I'll wait a little bit, get my traditional uh, back to doing morning coffee. So I got my organic coffee, of course, never in plastic, uh, usually in stainless steel or glass, as you guys see me drinking here. And Bob, what is going on? Thanks for always jumping in on these, man. I see you here very often. It's always good to see you. Uh, Nguyen, I got your last name correctly. I know. Uh, can you help me pronounce your first name? It's Kwa, Kwa Nguyen. Hopefully I got that right. Brandon, what is going on? So we'll wait a little bit, guys. Just get a few people to jump in here. Today we're going to be talking about how to plan a stress-free day. Can you guys let me know? I got some new earphones uh, from the store because my older ones stopped working. Can you let me know if my sound is pretty good? If like I sound far away or is my mic picking up my voice, that would help a lot. Uh, that way I don't do the whole show. I did two lives in a row with the sound, uh, my mic totally not even picking anything up, which kind of sucked, but it's okay. So we'll be talking about um, how to have a stress-free day today or how to rather have healthy levels of stress, right, during your day. Uh, you don't want probably like a completely stress-free life period uh, because it's not very exciting most likely, but you don't want uh, an overly stressful day that's burdensome and kind of destroying your health and mental and physical well-being uh, just because uh, you're just not managing your central nervous system well for one reason or another. So you guys, on these lives... I'm trying my best to bring common sense back to like uh, mental and physical health in America. So as you guys know, America is like the least health or Americans in general are the least healthiest they've ever been and are probably the most unhealthy group of humans um, in the history of the human race. OK, even if you take all the human species that have come and gone, 28 plus uh, human species that have come and gone over time, uh, the state of health right now in America is the, is the worst it's ever been and a representation of the, the, the worst health that the human race has ever seen in its life, okay? And unfortunately, I see uh, Americans are very addicted to like drugs, uh, medical drugs, symptom management, ABC, supplements, etc., etc. And they're getting further and further away from actually doing and implementing things that would create real change in their mental and physical health. And I always want to try to emphasize that that message on these lives. Um, of course, real change requires real change, obviously, and it's tough. You know, it's not a it's not like a short term fix or anything of that sort, uh, or rather a quick fix. You know, but hey, quick fixes never work, right? Uh, they just provide an illusion of some kind of temporary relief. But then once again, if you never change the person's behaviors that led to mental or physical health issue ABC, uh, just the issues keep coming back over and over and over again. And people usually, instead of dealing with these, uh, whatever those behaviors may be, um, which may be tough to change, there's no doubt about it, but that's where real change is. Uh, but usually people try to avoid that as best they can because it does require them to change a lot of things about themselves and instead spend a lot of money on going to doctors, on supplements, on boot camps, on whatever, you know, like a myriad of other things that take up a lot of money and do honestly, a lot of times take up a lot of energy, but just don't produce any results. 
at the end of the day, long term. They might produce some short term relief for sure. Maybe uh, a small chance that a person actually um, gets rid of symptom ABC, you know, just to have another symptom come up. So a good example is um, Ozempic. So it's like a very popular fat loss drug now. Personally, I just would never take it uh, because people are missing the whole entire point of what it means to go on an honest fat loss journey by taking something like that. Uh, because the belief system that led to excess body fat, um, that led to behaviors which inevitably led to the accumulation of excess body fat, which you know leads to the accumulation of like various other various uh, mental and physical pathologies over a person's lifetime, if that isn't corrected, even if a person ends up losing weight on a Zempic, for example, they're going to develop a myriad of other health problems. Uh, and just at the end of the day, they're missing the point of changing, you know, whatever environment, environmental trigger, whether externally or internal, that led to the excess weight gain, which inevitably, if that is changed, uh, get them to live a, a happier and more sustainable life. But it's completely uh, missed. And unfortunately, a lot of, I see a lot of medical doctors promoting this drug to people, um, doing what they do best. And that's, that's dealing, dealing drugs, right? So it's up to you. If you feel that path is right for you, it's something like I personally wouldn't ever do. And that's why I do these lives to give people honest information that are interested in going on an honest journey, not an easy journey. It's not an easy journey but an honest journey of health and wellness. So I'm a perfect example. I don't want to just be a talking head and then not do anything myself uh, like the bulk majority of uh, health professionals, especially in the medical industry, which tend to be very unhealthy, sickly looking themselves. They're always like extremely haggard, uh, look many years older than they actually are. And sure, they sound fancy. And yes, they have these white coats, but just take an honest look at them and ask, would I want to look like this doctor, you know? And for sure, there are no absolutes. There are some amazing doctors that are in great health themselves and look amazing, even way better than I do and probably way better health than I am. Uh, but it's extremely, extremely far in between. Um, maybe one out of every few hundred or few thousand possibly uh, that you see living a true, truly health conscious lifestyle. And usually you'll find if you're lucky enough to have this kind of person as your family physician or medical doctor of any sort, uh, you'll usually find they spend a lot of time assessing you. It's never like this one or two quick, uh, two, three minutes with you. And then the hair is like a drug once again, to manage symptoms, uh, but never change the behavior that led to the symptom. And then you're on your way. And most of the time, honestly, those kind of medical doctors that are, uh, you know, healthy and, and into like biodynamic farming themselves usually end up stepping away from medicine unless they're in the emergency medicine arena, what I found. And I love the emergency emergency medical staff. They're obviously angels in the sky, but I just find the bulk majority of how the bulk majority of medical doctors are practicing these days are just basically not that, not that different from uh, just drug dealers, just glorified drug dealers in white coats with a bit of education, obviously. So I like to walk, walk the talk, right? So not just kind of be a talking head here. So as you guys see from my posts, you know, I'm already basically almost 39, but I'm in great health. I'm in great metabolic health. I post my blood work on here and talk to you guys about how I do it. So my metabolic health right now, these are the markers. 
Uh, my body fat percentage right now is, is 10.8 and usually kind of stays around that area from 10.8 to about, you know, 13% on the higher end uh, all year round. And I've been that way for like 20 plus years consistently. Okay. Uh, my blood pressure is 120 over 80. Triglyceride levels is 61 milligrams per deciliter. High, um, HDL 67. Uh, total testosterone of 900 uh, nanograms per deciliter and free testosterone of 130 uh, picograms per milliliter. So perfect markers, okay? And as you guys can see from my videos, I'm able to stay very lean and muscular all year round using the information we're going to cover here. Uh, not being on any steroids or human growth hormones or peptides or whatever. I use very little, if anything, just kind of like a collagen protein shake and creatine monohydrate from time to time. And from time to time, I do use a little bit of supplements here and there, but it's mostly just to kind of try them out. It's not like uh, it's part of my daily routine all year round. So my point being is I'm able to do it, right? I'm a perfect example that it can be done. And more importantly, I mean, look at the amount of testimonials I post here from guys in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and even 70s that are able to do it. I just took a 56-year-old. I did an interview, as you guys saw a few weeks ago with um, Charlie. 56 years old, chronically low testosterone his whole entire life of about like 300 nanograms per deciliter. We took him up to seven, I believe 740 nanograms per deciliter for his total test and got him to lose 95 pounds and got him to get off his statin uh, healthy enough to not have to take his statins anymore, high blood pressure anymore, et cetera, et cetera. Just by just by really mastering honest health principles, which what I'm making an argument of here is is really if you honestly do it, honestly, uh, that's all you really have to do. And that's really how human beings have stayed in shape and health their entire life. Really don't need much supplements. And you definitely don't need, in my opinion, if you master these principles, nasty medical drugs. Uh, it's just totally not not necessary, okay? <laughs> Okay, if you're willing to make the changes and go on an honest journey. So so for our conversation today, we'll be talking about ways to have a, a stress-free day or manage your stress during the day, right? And not have an overabundance of micro and macro stresses during the day. And here's what I personally would look at for myself, right? And what has worked well for me and then also like a myriad of other clients that are in this group. Some of them are on this call right now, like John, for example, okay? So these are honest approaches that people can take if once again, they're ready to go on an honest journey, but it's not gonna work if you're still like trying your best to do everything possible to not change and trying to tinker with supplements here, medical drugs there, um, reframing here, reframing there, turning the negative into a positive here when you know it's really a negative situation, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So it probably wouldn't work in those situations. But for people that are like tried all that and they already spent so many years doing it and they're just freaking sick of living that way, here are some honest answers that I feel work wonders, okay? So uh, first, in terms of living a stress-free day, I mean, the most important thing to consider and understand probably in terms of this conversation is how to how the central nervous system functions optimally, okay, in a healthy and balanced way. And just a quick background, I mean, the Homo sapien, which is basically the species of human that we are right here, has been around for 200,000 years. 
and there have been like 28 plus human species that have come and gone uh, throughout the evolutionary cycle. Some of them have been around like the Neanderthal for around 200,000 years as well, and then just kind of vanished, you know? And all of that time, all of that evolution, the central nervous system has basically evolved to function really well and adapt really well. And remember, the only real purpose of the central nervous system is to get you to survive better in the external environment. And it, it has evolved to do so by functioning well with macro stresses, like a limited amount of macro stresses, followed by valleys of kind of like nothing going on for the most part. So for example, I give this, um, I give this example very often. Uh, like, for example, if you're a hunter-gatherer, let's say you're from the Eastern European area where they're hunting mammoths, like very dangerous, huge, um, huge animals kind of look like basically more aggressive forms of elephants. And of course, it's going to be dangerous and stressful, right? And you might even lose like a tribes person during the hunt. So cortisol is kind of through the roof. Cortisol is something that's released by your adrenal glands that sit on top of your kidneys. They kind of basically look like a little hat and cortisol is pumped in your body. And there's really nothing wrong with cortisol when it's managed properly, right? And in fact, cortisol is an alertness hormone. So it keeps you from being kind of like in a zombie-ish state and it helps your survival. So it's once again, a way your central nervous system, a chemical your central nervous system uses to enhance your survival. And of course, it's going to be dumped in your body during this hunt. Let's say the elephant's attacking you guys too. Uh, that way you're very alert and you're able to throw the spear and have a successful hunt and also evade any attacks, etc., etc. Uh, but then that's it. You know, when the animal is killed, let's say it's during the winter, especially the meat could be preserved and you don't have to go on that hunt for quite a long time because the animal is, is very large. And what, what ends up happening is you have this huge peak stress, Right. And then a valley of nothing going on. You're like hanging out, you're eating this wild game, which is amazing apex level food. I mean, the quality of, of macro and micronutrients in, in wild game is going to be always amazing. The omega-3 to omega-6 ratio is going to be perfect. Okay. And you're eating this great meat around a fire. You're outside in the forest. Uh, you're drinking clean water. You're also eating foraged plants, you know, mushrooms, all that good stuff. You have this cool tribe and community um, is basically what probably a lot of us do on our vacations for like one or two weeks out of the year. But, you know, the hunter gatherer did that pretty much all year round, for example. And maybe you're kind of fixing some tools or sharpening some tools. And then, you know, a few weeks or a few months go by and you go out for another hunt. And once again, there is a huge dump of cortisol during that hunt, probably. But maybe not. Sometimes hunts are also very easy and, you know, not a lot of things go wrong. And once again, there's a spike. Boom, it comes down. And once again, a valley of nothing going on. You're out fishing. You're, you know, sleeping in. Uh, you're hanging out and chatting with people. It's just basically like a very relaxed environment. Uh, so that's kind of the ideal way the central nervous system has evolved to function, Right. Uh, but unfortunately, today you have an abundance of these macro, these large stresses, deadline, maybe an argument with your boss, followed by almost an infinite innumerable amount of uh, micro stresses, so small stresses, right? Stuck in traffic, financial bills, uh, bill after bill, 
maybe not getting along with your coworker, um, then having that kind of tension at work all the time, you know, for eight hours a day, five days a week, it kind of adds up. Uh, highly inflammatory foods cause a lot of inflammation. Um, say gut issues cause inflammation as well. Any kind of like physical pain adds to an inflammatory response. Uh, even having kind of maybe a root canal that hasn't been done right, or maybe was done right, but it's impossible to really clean out all the bacteria in that root. So let's say 15 years has gone by and now there is uh, infection, right? And it's so minor and minute that a person doesn't even notice it, uh, or maybe they do, uh, but that minute inflammation, that minute bacteria will cause an inflammatory kind of autoimmune response in your body and add to your total uh, stress or inflammation load, right? And of course it accumulates over time. And this accumulation of total stress load is very important to begin with. But my point being is, you know, the average person these days is living with a tremendous amount of macro stresses, huge stresses, and probably an endless list of micro stresses. Once again, traffic, get up in the morning, coffee, although five hours of sleep only, you know, get on the freeway traffic, uh, of course, it takes a lot of energy to, you know, manage your central nervous system in traffic as well to stay in the lanes, uh, plus dealing with sometimes rude drivers, maybe. Um, you get to work, annoying coworker, deadlines, you go to lunch, more coffee, highly inflammatory, probably fast food with super high omega-6 and omega-3 uh, ratio, which is okay to have occasionally, but... Unfortunately, the majority of people aren't having it occasionally or wouldn't have a, an obesity epidemic in the U.S., right? Um, get back to work, maybe some issue with your boss or you don't like how they communicate with you, uh, which kind of causes you to be a little disgruntled. Uh, get back on the freeway, stuck in traffic. Get back home, maybe some marital issues at home. And um, getting to sleep late, uh, once again, Tremendous amount of micro and macro stresses there and the central nervous system hasn't evolved well to deal with that. So the person starts breaking down and burning out. And of course, to keep going in the world and to enhance, to keep surviving in the world, obviously the person has to adapt maladaptive behavior. Usually these days, unfortunately, it's going to be something uh, which might provide some short-term relief, but is, a, in my opinion, a very terrible idea long-term. It's like take anti-anxiety meds. Um, drink more coffee, you know, like when you're tired, it's your body's way of telling you you need to like rest, sleep more, sleep better, not have as much on your plate uh, at, at work or whatever in life in general. Maybe there is uh, like a harsh internal critic, you know, maybe take it easy with that internal critic a little bit, um, et cetera, et cetera. That, that's what fatigue is telling you because your body can't communicate with you in words. So, when you're tired, it's your body's way of saying like, hey, like slow down a little bit, you know, let's take a quick nap. Uh, I love doing naps after my morning workouts. I think they're huge and don't get any morning uh, midday crashes at all. Uh, and I do feel it's a great anti-aging practice as well. Okay. And, um, but unfortunately these days where people feel tired and there is an external environment aspect of it because America is such a hardcore work culture. Sure, you get some positives out of that, like a good GDP possibly, but you also, if not carefully managed, which it's not carefully managed at all these days, 
you get a population that's very burned out, very physically sick and very mentally ill. And nine out of 10 Americans right now are metabolically sick. Like I mentioned, those markers in the beginning, you could check what those are. So once again, metabolic health, some people use waist circumference. I use body fat percentage. I think it's far more accurate and telling than just a waist circumference. Because once again, a person could be skinny fat and could have, have a small waist circumference, but a body fat percentage is more telling. And that's one variable to focus on, on your metabolic health. Uh, and you can get like a DEXA scan uh, in your area if you want to know exactly what your body fat percentage is. Um, yeah, or you could just look at yourself in the mirror. If you have like a small belly, you're probably already approaching like 20% body fat, which is, um, which is overweight for a male. Or if you have uh, like a belly that's protruding a decent amount over your belt line, let's just say maybe like two inches, you're already probably bordering 25% body fat. So you're, you're obese in that case. So another metabolic health marker is blood pressure. Another one, triglycerides, uh, HDL. And I would also look at uh, fasting glucose, but also your total and free testosterone. I'd kind of throw in there as well, because I think those two are pretty important for, uh, for your metabolic health as well, okay? So I'll look at those. And once again, um, pluses and minuses of the work culture, pluses is high GDP, but minuses, especially when it's not managed well, which it's not right now in America, is just a, a population that's not doing well physically or mentally. And then once again, uh, normalizing that pathology and kind of work culture uh, throughout life, etc. Which is great for the health industry because there are a bunch of sick people always looking for help. But um, again, I would rather just have people be uh, healthy and happy and then spreading that health and happiness to their loved ones and the people they're working around uh, than having an endless list of, of clients coming in and stuff like that. David Larson is in the house. Good to see you. I thought you were going fishing, uh, fishing this weekend for some reason. Uh, but I did check out your pictures. They're always, they're always great. I, um, used to go fishing with my dad, like all the time. Uh, it's been a little while since I, since I kind of moved further away from them. Uh, but it's something like, I definitely do want to get into definitely easier and more rewarding than, um, uh, more positive reinforcement than hunting, which is which is much tougher, you know, to hunt animals on on land versus versus fish and stuff of that sort. But wild fish is great, and if you can include your catches in your diet, I mean, nothing beats wild game, wild fish, wild crops, all A plus food groups for uh, for anyone that's interested in enhancing their health. Uh, definitely way better than any of that factory farmed or farmed fish uh, type of protein sources. So, so the point being, uh, step one, I kind of deviate a little bit. I always go on tangents, but understanding how the central nervous system has evolved to function well in the world. And that's basically, uh, reducing your total stress load, not having an overabundance of micro stresses and especially an overabundance of macro stresses, large stresses. And the worst situation would be having an overabundance of large stresses and minor stresses throughout the life or throughout their day, right? That's going to make it impossible uh, for your central nervous system to deal with all of that. And you're going to feel constantly anxious, burned out. And where anxiety goes for prolonged periods of time, uh, depression always, always, always follows close behind. And most of the time, anger as well, uh, which, uh, once again, don't make it 
any much easier to navigate and kind of live a live, live a healthy and happy life, right? So, so understanding that and kind of planning your day accordingly with that in mind is important. So since we're on the weekend, one uh, great little thing you guys can do that's easy is take a piece of paper out and of course be honest with yourself and write down all of your stressors. No matter how silly some of them even sound, uh, the unfortunate thing with this exercise is a lot of Americans have normalized a lot of stress in their life and they don't perceive it as stressful anymore, but the damage from that activity is still being done. Uh, so for example, working 10 to 12 hours a day, you know, it's obviously not going to be that healthy for you if you keep doing it day after day after day, week after week, month after month for an entire career, six to seven days a week. Okay. But it's normal in a lot of occupations and a lot of Americans have developed reframing belief systems to justify that kind of behavior and thus uh, not change it because they don't see an other alternative. So they try to rather uh, change the negative into the positive, which in very limited circumstances is actually a really good idea. But most of the time, what I see, what ends up happening is um, a person feels overly burdened, overly stressed. And they obviously feel like they can't leave their work because they need, they perceive that they need the paycheck. They create a bunch of lies around that and then they believe in those lies. And then they, instead of figuring out a solution for it, maybe working remote or possibly, uh, you know, decreasing their expenses to take a lower pay or possibly moving to a cheaper state or something of that sort, they start creating like stories of how to keep on that path and change kind of the negative into the positive. So they'll go like, oh, you know, like um, it is, I am overburdened at work, but, uh, you know, I get a paycheck at the end of the day or something like that. So they kind of silence that, uh, that internal voice that's telling them something is off or something is wrong for them personally, not generally. Everyone is different, but you got to listen to that internal guiding light. It's always telling you the right answers. Just unfortunately, a lot of people become so myopic in very stressful and high-paced work environment that a lot of uh, jobs require these days, that they lose touch with that uh, inner star. And obviously combine that with spending so much time on the phone, being distracted by social media, uh, movies, uh, bills, whatever, it, it totally dampens that inner light and they lose touch of it altogether. And because they're typically surrounded by very sick coworkers, they, they once again feed off that normalized pathology and it's just like a downward nasty spiral uh that that doesn't really help anyone at the end of the day and um sometimes people will be like well you know life expectancy has increased etc cetera, etc cetera, which is totally false i mean if you look at if you take child mortality out of the equation uh even hunter gatherers without any medicine or anything of that sort are pretty much living to roughly the age we're currently living to. I think the average American dies at like 73 or 76 years old. Uh, but really, if you honestly observe that, uh, the average American soul dies much younger, but just their body, because it's maintained through various medical drugs, kind of continues to live on. And then unfortunately, uh, you know, spend money on, on various uh, materialistic goods that provide sugar highs at best. And uh, support those industries that are depleting the resources in the world at an accelerated rate. 
et cetera, et cetera, and continue to work for companies that are continuing to do that, uh, which aren't benefiting them either outside of this perceived paycheck, but um, stuff like that. So they get really stuck in this myopic, uh, myopic type of mindset and they, they can't listen to their inner star and they lose touch and get further and further away from who they really are. And as Walensky would say, if you don't know who you are, like, what do you know? You don't know anything because you don't, if you don't know who you are, you don't know the right jobs to get into, the right relationships to get into, uh, what to say yes or no to, et cetera, et cetera. So just kind of knowing who you are is such a pivotal and, and fundamental aspect of really enhancing your health. If you really do get that one wrong, I mean, your, your whole foundation is, is fairly weakened or possibly even broken. And then you can't build, no matter how great of a house you build on top of that foundation, because the foundation is so poor, the house ends, ends up crumbling. And you see this very often, especially with uh, people that are very uh, external world dominated, for example, in their in their motivations. Uh, so they get like um, a promotion. It's cool for a while, but then they feel empty again, depressed. Then, they, then they're like, oh, I need to get a bigger promotion or I need to make more money or I need to do this or this or this or this. And of course, all of those activities or I need to travel here, etc., whatever. Or, and of course, all of those activities do provide, you know, sugar highs along the way. If you have them often enough, it seems like it's, it's always the case. But really, you'll, you'll notice, especially once you hit, you know, 35s and 40s, that you get this sugar high. And then once again, you're back to your, your baseline of, of perceiving spaciousness as emptiness kind of thing. So, so understanding how the central nervous system works and understanding and not downplaying an abundance of micro stresses and just accepting it as it is, but working at reducing them is already a huge step in the right direction in terms of having a stress-free day. And once again, stress-free day, that phrase is a little bit misleading because we don't want no stress in our life because that way there's no growth, right? You need biological adaptation and your central nervous system, if you expose yourself to minor stresses, uh, in a smart way, adapts, just like muscle tissue to working out. Uh, maybe when you first started, you couldn't even curl two pounds on each side. But over many years, if you're very safe and have good programming, all of a sudden now you can curl like 50-pound dumbbells. So you have that biological adaptation, and it's kind of the same exact thing with the central nervous system. You just don't want to overburden it too much and throw too much on the table. And if you are throwing too much on the table... Um, you got to be honest with yourself and um, do it in a smart and sustainable way and show that as an example, especially if you have kids. Remember, kids, 80% of what they learn from you is just by observing you. So if they see that you're working yourself to death and you're drinking coffee nonstop because you can't even stay asleep and you're on all these drugs, uh, medical drugs, and you just let yourself go physically and mentally they're obviously going to see that as a, a way to survive in the world as well, especially in their younger years. I mean, you're their only example as a, as a, as a fa father or a mother, you're their only example of how to learn to survive in the external world. So if they're seeing that, they're going to say, because they kind of see you as demigods in the beginning, they're going to see that as acceptable and do the same exact thing. And if it's not serving you at all, obviously it's not going to serve them in a positive way either. And once again, uh, statistics, you know, numbers just speak the truth. And, you know, I think right now, 
Last time I checked, 33% of Americans are on some type of psychiatric drug and close to like 70 or 80% are on, on, on some type of prescription drug. All indications that they're living a life that's detached from their natural evolution and also living in a way that's, that's unsustainable. And instead of stepping back and going like, whoa, I'm living an unsustainable life, I should figure out how to make this sustainable and healthy for myself and the planet and my friends around that, they kind of just drown themselves out with drugs, supplements, uh, all a myriad of symptom management strategies. Uh, it's endless. Once again, great money, amazing money for the health industry for sure. But it's not fair to the client because if they really don't change this unsustainable way of living, uh, whether it be internal and ex or external, or most likely a combination of both, uh, they're always going to have health issues. They're always never going to feel well. They're never going to look their best, um, et cetera, et cetera. So stuff of that sort, something to consider. So that's one, understanding center nervous system management. That's huge. And then getting your actual week to align with that is even bigger because these concepts are easy to understand. And this is where I always say people go wrong. They're like, I get it. I'm like, I know you get it. It's very easy and there's not much to understand really uh, a small child can understand these concepts are you actually doing these things in the real world under real world uh, circumstances and stresses etc and in an environment that doesn't facilitate or encourage you to live this way are you really doing it and uh, if if 99 if people answered it honestly I would say 98.5 percent of people will have to say no even health professionals, especially in the medical community, will definitely have to say no, for sure, because they're overworked, uh, they're super tired, they're living on junk food, coffee, uh, also very drugged up themselves on various medications, etc. Those are all indications of trying to trying their best to numb out symptoms instead of taking a step back, being an honest health professional and figuring out a way to sustainably live your life in a sustainable and healthy way. So central nervous system management, super important. A great book is why zebras don't get ulcers uh, by Dr. Sapolsky. Great, uh, great guy. I had a chance to meet him one time a long time ago as well. I believe in like 2010. So it's been freaking forever, but very nice guy and uh, very great info. And he gives away a ton of info online as well, just completely for free. So definitely take advantage of that info. Um, and I'll give some more recommendations as as uh, the live goes on. I don't want to just put the spotlight on like my services and what I do, et cetera, et cetera. Because obviously I learned a lot of these things from a lot of uh, other very competent and great health professionals themselves. So second, second thing to make to have a stress-free day is um, this weekend too, try to identify any love-hate relationships you have. Once again, that paper, once again, what we wanted to do is write down all of our stresses from the minor to the moderate to the high stress levels, right? So if you're like, let's say uh, paycheck to paycheck, so you want to write that down. I know sometimes it's uncomfortable to write stuff like that down, but you got to do it and you got to be honest with yourself. And the good thing is you don't have to share this with anyone. It's just for you. So there's no point of lying to yourself because for sure then uh, the only person that's hurt is you because um, 
you don't admit to yourself that something is wrong. And if you don't admit that there's a problem, uh, you're not going to start looking for solutions, reasonable solutions. And hopefully I'm providing those solutions, reasonable, honest solutions here during this live completely for free. Uh, I could easily charge for all of this information, no doubt, but uh, I just really like helping people and giving them honest answers because it really hurts me to see that, A, I really do believe America is an amazing country, uh, but B, I just, I could, I think, in my opinion, that it could still stay an amazing country without having such a mentally and physically sick population. Why not do both? It's doable, you know? Uh, so write it down, all the micro stress, the minor things. Let's say, even if you don't like driving to work, but you would rather be working remote, write that down. That's a stress because there's a story gap right there, a disconnect. Uh, so um, maybe you have an annoying coworker. Okay, write that down. That's another stress and rate it. Is it, is it low? Is it moderate? Is it high? You know, high stress. Stress is also, a lot of it is, is fairly subjective. So write it, write down what it means to you. That's the main thing. Um, let's say also you have a lot of times don't think of just mental stress as stress, right? You could have physical stressors. Do I have like low back pain? Write that down. That's a stress. Do I have gut issues? Write that down. That's a stress. Um, whatever. Write down any kind of physical ailment you have. That would be a stress as well. And you can see then your total stress load. And honestly, to go on an honest health journey and get your central nervous system in more balanced alignment, you would need to work on reducing all of these stressors, the minor ones uh, included. Okay. So, um, like I mentioned here, the second step is identify all love-hate relationships. So, do you have coworkers you don't get along with? How about a boss that maybe, let's say, like for me, I'm a huge fan of nonviolent forms of communication. Here is a great book for you guys. It's a shortened version. Let me see if I have it right here. Okay. And um, it's a great book. And I'm a really big believer in it. So, but let's say you appreciate nonviolent forms of communication uh, but your boss doesn't even know about it. You know what I mean? So they're very aggressive. They're very like, if you don't do this, you're fired. It's very conditional. And sometimes the boss is in the right. Sometimes the employee is just not living up to their promises either. So I'm not putting a negative light on, on the boss or management or anything of that sort. Um, but there's a communication discrepancy. You like to be, you know, treated with respect in nonviolent forms of communication. They don't know any other form. So this is going to cause some kind of friction, you know, which will eventually lead to uh, stress or you pretending to be like the person you're not at work, which will also lead to stress because then there's a story gap between who you really are. And, and then you're kind of pretending wearing various masks at work just to kind of sustain that uh, kind of environment. And of course, in society, you're going to have to wear a few masks. But the idea is you don't want to be wearing like 30 masks. You might want to be just wearing like one or two, you know. Uh, and the more masks you wear, the further you get away from your genuine self, uh, the more maladaptive behavior you'll have to form. You'll have to form to keep surviving that environment. Uh, and that's just how it is. So maladaptive behavior, some examples include... Uh, medical drug use and a lot of times abuse, anti-anxiety, antidepressants. These are all signs of uh, like a disconnect or unsustainable form of life. 
something that people try to numb out and silence with these drugs uh, instead of changing you know the environment be it internal or external that's leading to these problems which once again is tougher for sure it is and a lot of times you're going to have to hire a coach to help you because you can't solve a problem with the same belief system that led to that exact problem most of the time sometimes you can if you're very in tune with once again your greatest guru of all your internal light you know your internal compass it's always giving you the right answers uh, but it's just people don't listen to it because they're afraid if they listen to it they might not be able to survive in the external environment like if a person his internal star is telling him like dude you need to like be an artist or whatever you know and then his mind comes in and the mind the only purpose of the mind really is it's part of your central nervous system and the only purpose of the mind is to get you to survive better in the external world so it'll evaluate its surroundings and start logically thinking about this okay cool you want to be an artist but hey uh you know artists most of them don't get paid that much but hey here's this lawyer path uh it's more predictable and it has a more predictable income take that and you'll get rewarded more by the external world and thus survive better because once again the only purpose of the central nervous system is to get you to survive better at all costs that's it and ideally to reproduce basically okay uh, survive until you reproduce ideally and then once again it gets the rest of your genes to keep doing that and copy and paste copy and paste etc etc and it might provide some short-term relief by going like for example the lawyer route this time but um you know you're being faked to yourself and it always catches up to you and once again the wider the gap the more masks you wear the more untrue you are to yourself although it's kind of sometimes cheesy talking about this stuff especially on fat loss channels but it's so important because excess fat gain i'd say 99 percent of the time is due to this disconnect sometimes like maybe i've noticed with 17 years of coaching maybe one out of every 40 clients maybe one out of every 50 clients it actually isn't the case there is no story gap they're genuinely living true to themselves uh, but they just don't know how to manage a biological organism so they need just coaching on nutrition maybe how to sleep better what you know how to source quality water how to work out correctly etc uh, etc et but the bulk majority of the time it really is this disconnect between your your, your inner star and basically who you're portraying yourself to be in the uh, real world external world let's just say and once again the bigger the gap the more maladaptive behavior you're going to have to form which means more excess weight more antidepressants more anti-anxiety more sleeping aids more high blood pressure uh, more statins um, skin issues accelerated aging uh, whatever okay and i did want to say something else damn it but i kind of forgot and spaced out at the moment but all these things are are very important to consider and once again i could go on for hours and hours and hours about these concepts and elaborate them and have inferences and build more inferences upon those inferences but i think you guys get the idea right okay so that was two and three so we covered three now let's kind of go down the list i've talked a lot i've hinted a little bit of an internal environment but i've been mostly talking about how to evaluate stresses in your external environment you know so uh you know co-workers you know boss 
too many deadlines at work, maybe not enough assistance, and you can't meet up with these deadlines or whatever. Uh, but there's also an internal uh, aspect to living a stress-free life as well. And it depends on your personality type, which I do a lot of assessments with my clients as well, because you do have to identify their personality type uh, because you have to identify traits, healthy and unhealthy traits of that personality type. And more importantly, educate the client on these traits so that they can be conscious of them when they arise in the real world and they can learn to manage it and learn to consciously understand when they're leading into unhealthy versions of their personality type and more into healthy versions of the personality type and then find, as Aristotle would say, a golden mean, a good balance. And it's that balance which is key. You don't want to be too much in any one extreme for especially prolonged periods of time, for sure. Then you will get in trouble uh, 100%. So some personality types, you know, have a harsh internal critic. Once again, um, if done in a healthy way, there's nothing wrong with that internal critic. It does help you, you know, get out of bed, try to push yourself a little bit more, maybe get your body to look a little bit better or, you know, maybe earn a little bit more income or be a little bit more productive in earning your income so you don't have to work as hard for the same amount of income, whatever. Uh, but of course, if your internal critic is too harsh, too constant, shames you too much, uh, that could lead to being overly anxious, which once again, wherever anxiety goes, depression always follows close behind. They're really good friends. And then obviously you get into cycles of, of depression or burnout, which leads to depression as well. And um, and then it's unhealthy. So it's important to you know educate the client. I'm always a big believer on making sure at the end of the program, the client becomes their own mechanic which is so important. And without doing this, uh, the client is always going to be dependent on you, uh, which is once again, an amazing money-making model because they never had, to, they never learned how to take care of themselves. Right. Uh, but it's not fair to the client. And I do take an Eastern European approach here of not only helping the client with their health issues, aesthetic issues, uh, but also, teaching them how to do it themselves. And I think that is so important uh, because the second you leave, they're just going to fall apart because of the human body depreciates so quickly, uh, if not attended to. So if they don't know how to attend it, how to maintain it, AKA they don't know how to go fishing themselves, uh, then they're going to starve pretty quickly, right? Uh, because if you're just giving them fish and not teaching them how to fish on their own, eventually you're going to be gone. And then how are they going to get the fish? Stuff of that sort. So, Got to identify the personality type. I have various tests to do this, uh, but sometimes you know you find personality types have, like I mentioned, an excessive internal critic. So once again, if not managed well, that could lead to various maladaptive behaviors and unsustainable forms of of life and goals, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, which would once again lead them into more body fat, more medical drug abuse, uh, all that stuff, in order to numb themselves out into oblivion or maybe even more socially acceptable forms of still abuse and maladaptive behavior, such as workaholism. And this is totally acceptable in America. And a lot of people fall into it when they have a huge sense of emptiness or they just hate their life. A lot of people just work a lot more because it helps distract them from the internal emptiness and, and depression and misery they feel inside. But once again, it's, it's, it's not solving the problem. 
And if anything, it's just keeping the problem alive. And if not dealt with, you know, those cries for help from your internal star get louder and louder and louder. And then physical health issues begin to arise. And then uh, you got to hire all these doctors and do your co-pays. And, uh, and at the end of the day, even if you do all that and you still don't change the behaviors of the person that led to all the problems, you're still all messed up. You still all have all these health issues and skin issues and uh, need to be put on more medical drugs, all that stuff. So uh, sometimes personality types also have a, a, like a fantasy self. Certain personality types struggle with this too. And unfortunately, in unhealthy ways, the fantasy self is uh, basically this kind of like almost delusional ideal of yourself, which is basically not realistic, but the person ends up constantly comparing themselves to this ideal. Um, and obviously, it's it's never attained, or if under extremely rare circumstances it is attained, the bar is just moved up again. And once again, you're left with this uh, sense of emptiness, misery, despair, which once again, if not managed well, and if the person isn't educated on how to identify these destructive patterns could lead down a path of misery, obesity, and disease, a lifetime of that, uh, and stuff of that sort. So, and sometimes if you're dealing with people with already a lot of depression, you know, they have typically common themes of, um, permanence and over uh, catastrophizing. I don't know how to pronounce that word correctly here. English is a second language, quick reminder. Uh, but typically when you, you talk to people that are dealing with, you know, low grade or high grade major depression, for example, they, they typically have a common theme of, uh, if something goes wrong, they over catastrophize it. So in the sense that it's going to ruin my whole life, you know, Oh, like, um, I missed my bill payment by a day. You know, I paid it a day late. Oh, now every, everything is going to collapse, et cetera, et cetera, over-exaggerated in a negative way. And um, then they also attach permanence to it as well. So they typically over-catastrophize like, oh man, my bill is not paid and now everything's going to collapse and now this is going to ruin my life forever. And then that needs to be addressed because that's also not realistic not what happens 99.9999999999% of the time, okay? But for them, that's almost like a 100% certainty. So it's kind of like a mind virus that needs to be addressed. And all thoughts and belief systems that don't facilitate healthy, um, healthy decisions in life should be viewed and considered as a very deadly virus because it kills the host, just like a normal virus would, you know, like... Uh, uh, the C word, you're not allowed to say it on social media now or you get your life, uh, whatever, uh, channel banned. People could die from that, but people could also die from a belief system and people do, millions of people do die from a belief system that doesn't facilitate health conscious choices. For a quick example, 800,000 Americans die every single year from heart attacks. It's so preventable and it's so sad because it, it is so preventable through even the most minor of lifestyle changes uh, but once again, pathology has been unfortunately normalized in our culture today. I say it often because it needs to be said, because it needs to be recognized because right now we're, we're not even perceiving it as a problem. We're still at that stage. We're perceiving it as totally normal where it's not normal at all. It's not healthy. It's not really doing anything positive for you. And if you're not healthy and well, well, how are you going to be there for the people you love? Um, and stuff of that sort. And how are you going to be there for yourself as well if you're constantly miserable and, and sick and stuff of that sort? So,
Okay. Number five, I think time economics is huge uh, in having a stress-free day. So like, for example, you have a total of 168 hours in a day. Let's say the average person is working 40 hours a day. Okay. Sleeping 56 hours a week, uh, 40 hours a week, sorry. Uh, Sleeping 56 hours a week. So that's like eight hours a day. Almost no one does that, but I'm just trying to be optimistic here. Uh, 56 hours a week. Let's say you're spending with friends and family and doing like your own thing 15 hours a week and errands five hours a week. You still have 52 hours a week left in your day. That's like almost three days or two two full days at least. Uh, and it only takes like 10, 10 hours a week to optimize your mental and physical health. So if it takes 10 hours a week to optimize your mental and physical health and you have 52 hours a week every single week that's free, like where are those hours going? And usually those hours are going into um, just like numbing out behavior. Social media is a huge, huge negative here. I mean, people drown so much of their valuable time cruising around online and and just watching all that junk and, and stuff of that sort. So Dylan, I'd love to have you as a special guest speaker. Yeah, no problem, Dylan. Dylan is a great friend of mine and he actually... Uh, was the first person I've ever was a guest on a podcast on ever. So I appreciate that. Thank you. And then obviously that encouraged me to get on a lot more other podcasts, um, which led me eventually to, to Paul Check's podcast and stuff of that sort. So thank you. Um, so where are those hours going? 52 hours of free time per week, um, just drowned into oblivion. So one thing you guys can do this week is... Take a tally of your time. Once again, be honest. A lot of people aren't going to be, and they're not honest to themselves. And that's what got them into a life of obesity, misery, and disease. At the end of the day, just not honest to themselves. So unfortunately, I can't help the people, even when it's I'm obviously giving them the answers that would definitely help them a tremendous amount. They're still not going to take it because they're they have a mind virus that's lying to them and causing them to basically develop these belief systems that are leading to ill mental and physical health. So uh, see where your hours are going, okay? Uh, That's super important. And um, number six, another thing that could really help you have a stress-free day is um, being careful with your finances. I think this is huge. And the average American does spend um, eight to $16,000 a year on on just non-essential expenses that provide just sugar highs at best and literally nothing else, but then the money is gone. Uh, Non-essential expenses include eating out, you know, Um, traveling a lot of times, alcohol especially. You know, even when you go out a lot, I mean, count up everything, that Uber ride, uh, that dress shirt you bought, you know, the two drinks that are like 20 bucks each, that's 40 bucks right there. If you add it all up, your smallest expenses typically cumulatively end up being your biggest expense at the end of the year for a lot of people, okay? And um, and for what? It, it literally adds no value to your life, but now also you have like financial stress. And the average American, uh, I heard this from Robert Kawasaki, I didn't actually check myself, but it's probably accurate. The average American has like less than a thousand bucks to their name and their bank account which will for sure add stress to your day because then you're more inclined to, if you don't have that financial autonomy, which is so important, you're more inclined to stay at jobs you don't want to stay at or 
stay in relationships you don't want to stay in um, or like a myriad of other things because you're financially obligated. And then over a long enough time period, what ends up happening is you end up building the lies around justifying that behavior to yourself that you end up believing. And then you forget, like even at a certain point, what the truth and what lies are. And you just kind of go go along with it. And and unfortunately, at that point, it's kind of like quicksand and it, and it drowns you deeper and deeper into misery, obesity and disease uh, year after year after year. Uh, and it's kind of like a slow process. So you really don't notice it. Uh, until it's way too late, meaning the pain teacher comes around, meaning you had a stroke, you had a heart attack, run in with cancer, divorce, um, bankruptcy, whatever, stuff of that sort. And that's why I think it's just so important to follow these basic health principles. And especially, in my opinion, I would never fall into the trap of medical drug abuse. That's always uh, like a dead end I found 99% of the time, no absolutes. Sometimes you do get a person that, for instance, I've had clients get on antidepressants, then get the spark and motivation to come and hire someone like me to go on an honest health journey and get themselves back on track and become healthy enough mentally and physically to not need the antidepressants anymore. Where if they didn't take those antidepressants, they probably would have never reached out to me and never found out uh, true health principles of how to live their life in a balanced and mentally sane way which we as a culture have definitely stepped away from tremendously these days. So finances are so important. Um, the Millionaire Next Door has been a great book. I forgot the author's name. I think the audio of it is for free online for anyone really struggling financially. I would just listen to that book. I'm not saying I agree with literally everything he says, but it's already so much better way to manage your money than how uh, most people are managing their money these days anyways. I'm sure there are better ways, but for me, I live like a very minimalist lifestyle. I grew up this way with my grandmother in, in Ukraine, and I just really liked it and really didn't see a need to go beyond it. So it really, that model, that financial model works really well for me. It may work for, well for you or may not. You would have to check it out. I think another book that really ties in well with that one that I read was The Psychology of Money. I forgot the name of that author as well, uh, I'm not huge into finances. I just kind of read them here and there just for interest. I mostly read a lot of books on like quantum psychology and, and nutrition and biodynamic farming. That's kind of where my honest interest is. Uh, but nonetheless, you do live in a monetary society. So you do have to have a little bit of understanding of how uh, money works if you want to continue to live in a monetary culture, right? So you do got to read those books from time to time, even if that's not your thing. So uh, there are some ideas, but like, for example, some minimalist ideas for me that have worked well is I really don't eat out. I mean, this year I've eaten out like twice, maybe three times. And that's it. That's it. I do sometimes maybe every other week buy like a coffee, you know, um, because I like to go to a lounge on Sundays and typically study that whole day or read a lot of books or something of that sort. So I buy a coffee there just to be polite to that business for allowing that space for me to, to go there and study and stuff of that sort. Um, but I even bring my own glass cup or uh, stainless steel cup and ask them to fill it up there anyways, because I just don't like when they put it in, in, uh, in plastic and stuff of that sort. So that saves a tremendous amount of money. For a lot of my clients, some of my clients, 
especially those with a family, were spending like $2,000 a month on eating out. Uh, you know, that's $24,000 a year. Even if, go ahead and calculate how much you eat out per weekend. Let's say it's 100 bucks. you know, with the drinks, with the gas. Uh, you got to factor in all the indirect costs of that meal too. Driving there or taking an Uber there, whatever. The meal, the tip, the tax, the drink. Uh, it's probably around there, you know, like 50, 50 bucks or 100 bucks. If you have kids, it's, it adds up really quick now. Uh, multiply that by four. What is that? 400 bucks. Let's say the $100 range, that's $400 a month. Multiply that by 10. That's $4,000 for 10 months, two more. So you're spending nearly $5,000 a year on just eating out, on just eating out. So I guarantee you, I can find out like a million different ways that 5,000 could be spent more wisely. That would also make you look a tremendous amount better. And maybe if you invested it properly, get you some, uh, get you making money off of that, that money, get that money working for you instead of you constantly having to work for the money and not having any financial autonomy, uh, then being stuck in various positions in life and stuff of that sort. And the good thing is, is with a minimalist lifestyle, um, you don't, you don't need to make a tremendous amount of money. And a lot of times, I mean, a lot of the stuff money buys, especially outside of your basic biological needs. So let's say amazing food, great water. Let's say you definitely, in my opinion, still need a good health insurance program. Although if you're healthy, you honestly will never use it. I haven't used mine in like 10 years. The insurance company loves people like me because it's just like, I never use it. I just pay for it every month and I never use it because I don't need it. And I know just at the end of the day, the only way I would use it is through an emergency when I need surgery. Because the only other thing that that insurance would offer is just like pills and medical drugs and stuff of that sort. And I'm not going to take that route anyways, because I always am interested in going on an honest journey and getting to the bottom of why I have, uh, you know, sickness ABC instead of just numbing myself out with the various dangerous medical drugs. So, um, yeah, another thing is like, you guys see, I always wear like pretty much the same exact thing daily. I have like, I got to count it, you know, to be honest, maybe like 10 black shirts and 10 black, uh, black shorts, the same ones. And basically, um, one pair of jeans, one pair of workout shorts, and then one pair of hunting and hiking boots. And that's really about it, you know? And then I have a few other things, my books here and that's it. You know, um, I just found especially early in life, like through college, for example, the only thing I loved doing in school was just like working out and studying at the library and eating like organic biodynamic food. And that's it. And I found out like, I just love doing that stuff. And it really doesn't matter if I do anything else because I just like love doing that. I love having like a great looking body, which is pretty awesome. Great health is really awesome as well. And then obviously reading books from amazing authors with different life experiences is is great as well and kind of like a cheap way to gain access to a lot of great mentors, um, especially with the older books that genuinely wanted to help you through providing that book, where I do find a lot of the newer books, they're moreover trying to sell you on like an upgraded course or kind of give you enough of a message to spark your interest, but then they always try to kind of like, here, you need to buy this course or whatever, which I don't think is, is a good practice. I don't do that with my books. My books are like, here's what you need to do. You can do it on your own. Here's how you do it. Just do it step by step and it'll work, you know? Uh, and that's how a lot of the older books are. 
And I really like that kind of style of writing and stuff of that sort. So, so financial autonomy is great. Um, and I would recommend just learning about finances, but also adopting a minimalist lifestyle, um, which I really enjoy. I'm a big fan of it. And it also helps you not deplete a lot of world resources. I mean, imagine something as small as a t-shirt, how many, how much resources it really takes just to make a t-shirt. For example, um, you need a whole factory basically. Okay. There's not like an old woman that's knitting this shirt together for you. How many tools are in that factory? How many different rare elements and minerals, et cetera, are needed to develop all those tools? Uh, how about all the workers and all their shirts that are needed then, uh, all the materials, the dyes and the pollution, and then this and that, you know what I mean? And it adds up and it's like a gargantuous use of resources. And yeah, for sure. You, you need a shirt. I'm not saying you don't, but do you need a new shirt or like 50,000 shirts? Uh, I also found that I have like a, a used car. Um, what is it? A Ford C-Max hybrid. I bought it used, paid off right away. So once again, no car payment, that's huge, right? If you're stuck with paying like 800 bucks a month for your car or a thousand bucks, uh, that's going to add up quite a bit. And once again, hurt your financial autonomy. The whole point is once again, to have that financial autonomy, to ideally do your own thing. But even if doing your own thing isn't your thing, you have the flexibility of staying at a job or not staying at a job. Because let's say two situations, one, uh, let's say you don't require, you don't even have that much saved up. You have a little bit, but because your expenses are so low and you don't like a job situation anymore, you're like, Hey, you know what? I have the financial autonomy to go to another job. And that's huge because if you continue to stay, especially in work, that's not right for you or that's not healthy in some way. I mean, that's eight to 10 hours of your day. That's pretty much your whole day. And what ends up happening is it is actually your whole day because you drive to work thinking about that negative situation. You're at work all day and then you drive home, you know, reflecting on that negative situation again. And then you rinse and repeat five days a week. Really it's, more like six days a week, because by the time Sunday rolls around, you know, you got to go back to that um, cesspool starting Monday and you're thinking about it all Monday. So really it, af it affects your psychology all week. And if your psychology is that negatively impact impacted all week, that's going to impact your physiology for sure. 100% uh, in a negative way. And also just you'll have to adapt maladaptive behavior over long enough periods of time to deal with that uh, atrocious amount of misery, which would include alcohol, medical drugs, um, using food as medicine, but the wrong way, you know, eating too much. Uh, or you could be tricky with yourself and get into socially acceptable forms of uh, numbing yourself out, such as working too much, um, whatever. They could be like, uh, which is more acceptable in American culture, stuff of that sort. So. So finances is huge. Uh, seven, sleep is huge too. Obviously, if you're going off five hours of sleep, I just don't know how you could have a quality day. So I think sleeping between the hours of 10 p.m. and 6 a.m. is huge. And having an important nighttime ritual and morning ritual will help the consistency of that sleep. And obviously, um, more obvious things like not having uh, too much coffee late at night or whatever or stimulants or anything of that sort, okay? Uh, sleeping aids, a lot of people use them, but 
from my observation, I find it's it's really short-lived strategy. So they use it, it works for a little bit, and then it stops working, and they got to up the dose. It works for a little bit, it stops working, then they up the dose. And then eventually, at a certain point, it just stops working no matter the dose. And once again, now the sleeping pathology is even worse than it's ever been, uh, once again, because they're in the mindset of of um, treating and attending to symptoms. And if you attending to symptoms just yields more symptoms over time because you never change the belief system that led to the behaviors that led to all the problems. And if once again, you never change the person that leads to the problems, the problems will always return all the time, almost all the time guaranteed. Uh, and it's, it's futile once again, to approach it the other way around with the symptom management approach. Once again, amazing money for the healthcare industry because you're always going to be coming back all fucked up from a myriad of different reasons. Uh, one reason today, another theme tomorrow, another theme the third day, whatever. They got the symptom management strategy for you. Uh, just keep buying and paying into the system and living a life of delusional pathology. Um, a few more things. I'm going to kind of go through these quick because I see we're running out of time a little bit here. But inflammation, attending to inflammation is, is huge because obviously inflammation starts in the body and leads to inflammation in the brain. So if you're eating a highly inflammatory body, uh, highly inflammatory diet uh, that's very rich in omega-6s compared to omega-3s, for example, that's going to lead to a lot of inflammation in your body, which will lead to inflammation in your brain. So if you have anxiety, it's just going to make it even worse. Uh, so attending to that inflammation in your body is going to be very important is that once again, inflammation, the only thing that's going to make it worse? No, but you got to look at a total picture. Everything adds up, okay? Exercise is huge, obviously. Um, at the end of the day, you know, the human body has evolved to be physically active, period. Uh, sitting at a computer all day, 8 to 10, 12 hours a day is totally unacceptable. I know it's common, this is where people get it wrong. It's very common, but that doesn't make it right just because everyone is doing it. And results speak for themselves. Remember what I mentioned, 9 out of 10 Americans are metabolically sick right now. 33% um, of Americans are on psychiatric drugs. 70-80% uh, are on some kind of prescription medication. Um, I think I remember reading an article that said by 2030, which is pretty close, we're at 2023, uh, 50% of Americans will be obese and 90% will be either overweight or obese when taking that into co uh, consideration. So is working out going to solve all the problems? No, but taking a multidimensional approach, which we're describing here, will be a huge step in the right direction. There's no doubt about it. Um, no doubt about it. And then let's see. So, man. I kind of do not like my handwriting at all because a lot of times I don't even know what is on here at the time. Okay. Well, I can't I can't read the very last thing I wrote here and I don't remember it off the top of my head for sure. But that's great info. That's what real health information looks like if you're interested in going on an honest health journey. If not, it's not for everyone, but just know that at least from my observation the only thing that awaits you is just endless amounts of medical drugs, symptom management techniques, which will give you short-term relief at most, um, but not help you in the long run at all in any way, any imaginable way. In fact, they'll make it worse 
because the bulk majority of the time, what a lot of these symptom management strategies do is just keep allowing the person to be in kind of the dummy they were that led them into this situation for a little bit longer. And then they need more drugs and they can do it a little bit longer. And then they need more drugs and they can do it a little bit longer. And this, this is their whole life. And unfortunately, it's, it's so normal because everyone is doing it. Nobody sees that this is totally messed up and pathological in every single way. Uh, but I'm hoping with making videos like this, and I'm not a pioneer, there have been many people that have been spreading this message for a long time, uh, that more people that are really interested in kind of waking up and being true to themselves and getting closer to happiness uh, will run into it and at least be able to go like, aha, you know, and figure out an honest solution for themselves instead of um, just becoming a medical drug addict, basically, and being hooked on all these drugs all your life and symptom management strategies. So you guys, it was great to see you guys. Um, I hope you guys have a good weekend. Arslan, good to see you. Nell, Elvis, cool name. Oscar, Dylan, uh, David, Lisa, good for jumping in. Carlos, I saw a couple of other people here as well. I think uh, Juan, haven't seen you for a while. Good to see you. Uh, see you guys, wishing you the best. Of course, the information I'm offering it's not easy to do, you know, especially in a world that doesn't facilitate any sort of mental or physical health at all. Uh, even our health professionals are super, super sick themselves. Just go look at most doctors, for example, and ask, would you honestly want to look like this person? Um, and that should kind of answer everything, everything for you. Um, so wishing you guys the best and uh, have a great weekend. Take care.